Is it Amber or Ember? Yes. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 20. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we discuss Keyforge, our new favorite procedurally generated card game. Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday, Mamie. Yes, Happy Holidays. We are just a few short days away from Christmas. Yeah, we're recording this on December 20th, so we are less than a week from Christmas Day. Tomorrow is my last day of work. Very exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> and uh, our kids are with the grandparents right now, so... Yeah, they got out a few days ahead of me, so they get to go spend some extra grandparent time, which gives us time to play some games and record a podcast. Yeah, we're living large. <laughs> we went out to dinner and didn't have to pay a babysitter. It's amazing. Crazy. Uh, all right. Well, we are also taking this opportunity to drink a little bit of wine. What are we drinking tonight, Mamie? Yeah, so there's a chance that the wine we're drinking tonight is procedurally generated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll decide if we like our card games procedurally generated, but I'm fairly sure I may not like my wine that way. So I grabbed this bottle of wine at our local grocery store because I liked the label and it was a good price. Always a good way to pick a wine right, is liking right, right. the label. Well, and it was a wine that was on the the most on sale, which is That's one of the things. That's how we things. do it. Yes, exactly. Um, it is the 2017 Debonair Cab Sav. And I searched the internet over and can find nothing about this wine. So are you saying we may have a completely unique bottle of Cabernet it, not available anywhere else? It may be the only one in the whole world. Well, there you go. Well, I'm excited what to do you think about it? be drinking it. Well, 2017, that's kind of a young cab. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. It'll do. <laughs> Procedurally generated. Um, I don't know if I would have guessed that it's a Cabernet, though, if you wouldn't have told me. Yeah, I could see that. It's not as full-bodied as a lot of cabs, but maybe that's because it's young. You know, we have done several wine-tasting parties where we organize, and we like Cabernet Sauvignon quite a bit, and a lot of our friends do too. And so a couple of times we've done these tasting parties where we procure several bottles at different price points. Um, and usually everybody will chip in a little bit of money, and we'll buy maybe three or four, usually about four bottles of wine ranging from like 7 or $8 all the way to or, $100. Or $4. I think we the first year we had a $4 wine <laughs> and, and then was, $100 bottle. And it was actually visually different than the other. It was like Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that has been consistent both times we've done this is that Cabernets under $10 are generally bad and Cabernets over $40 are not necessarily that much better. Yeah, the $20 cab is kind of the sweet spot. The, uh, the 20 to $40. Yep, 20 yeah. to $40. So there you go. This one is not in that range. No, and I'm not surprised. No, but, but it's, it's not fine. terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. All right, so let's get to our memorable gaming moments from this week. We've been playing a lot of games, yeah, finally. I, I'm thrilled that we actually have gaming moments to discuss <laughs> since the last episode. Uh, so, so what stands out to you, Mamie? Well, you know, we... We've been playing games, and that's 
a, a plus in our life after the couple busy months. On Sunday night, um, one of my friends from work and his wife came over, and then our good friends Megan and Anna that we came with a lot, and it was a lot of fun. They, they, um, our friends brought their kids who are one and two, so that made gameplay a little difficult. But yeah, that reminded me why we did not play many games <laughs> when our kids were one and two years old. Uh, it's just tough when they're that age. Uh, but we still got through a game of Downforce by giving the kids their own race cars to play with we did yep um and that was a lot of fun and then when they headed out to put the kids to bed we broke out tulip bubble with megan and anna which was our first playthrough of that and i have to say that game is beautiful i'm not sure i know a a good strategy yet for gameplay but i really enjoy the art yeah tulip bubble is from a publisher out of taiwan called mo ideas games and I first heard about them because they published a game called Mini Rails that I enjoy. And I saw this was another game by them. And they tend to, at least a lot of the games I'm familiar with, be these somewhat economic games, but with interesting themes. Uh, maybe they have another game that's a newer one called Symphony Number no. 9 that's an orchestra-themed game. Nice. I mean, Tulip Bubble was very much an economic game. Yeah, the theme is the Dutch economic tulip bubble collapse <laughs> that happened, I don't know, in the 1600s or whenever that was. I'm not sure when, but I was thinking as we played that this would be a great game to use if you're doing an economics lesson because it was very clear that when the market became flooded with a certain type of tulip, those lost value. And when they were scarce, they increased in value. It was like an economics lesson. That's how an economics game should work, right? Yeah. And, and the game is just, is just beautiful. And, you know, I like economic, economic themed games anyway, but this one, you know, I don't know that that you and Ann and Megan would necessarily pick an economic game, but everybody seemed really engaged and, and had fun playing it. And the artwork is beautiful. And our friend Toby uh, let us know that actually the cards have these these beautiful drawings of tulips are actual public domain drawings from the peak of tulip mania in the 1600s. Actual drawings of tulips that that people did back in those days. I could see that, and it you know, made coming up with artwork for the game much simpler. Yeah, so that's a lot of fun. Maybe we'll talk about that one on a future show. Uh, speaking of our friend Toby, who I think we mentioned in the past as a member of our game group who moved away, he was back in town for the holidays and came over last night, and we had a fun gaming session of Container, another great economic game, and Root. Yeah, I wasn't able to play those because I had some work stuff to get done. Boo. But I was sitting in the other room. And it sounded like we were having fun. It did. Fun. It sounded like you were having <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, actually, it, it did. It seemed like we had a lot of good laughs. Uh, Container is just a fun game. Like it is, I don't know. It's it's one that I enjoy enjoy quite a bit. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite games to play. And I think very approachable for people to play, actually, for a game of its weight. Um, really low rules overhead, and people seem to like it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's one that I think we should and could break out more often. Yeah, and it's this is, I think, the third or fourth time I've played. And with the rules being so simple, it's so surprising to me how different each game of Container goes. Uh, for example, last night, at the very beginning, I started off very strong, and I had this sort of, uh, I guess, middleman shipping empire where I was really the only one people were buying crates from. And at one point I had these three ships in my docks filling up on all my crates and, and really thought I was going to sail to victory um, literally and figuratively. And then it was like one wrong turn and suddenly I couldn't do anything and ended up getting last place. <laughs> and I have no idea why. 
<laughs> and, I love it. And uh, that game, I mean, I came in at the very end as you guys were wrapping up, um, and I have never seen so many containers on the island. I mean, you all did a lot of shipping. Yeah, and that's a game. It just goes longer or shorter, just depending on what the players do, and it's totally different from game to game. So um, so I had a good time doing that. Much fun. But anyway, Mamie, why don't we go ahead and talk about our Game of the Week, Keyforge. Keyforge is a two-player card game from the legendary game designer Richard Garfield of Magic the Gathering fame. Um, And in many ways, Keyforge is truly unique and innovative. So each Keyforge deck consists of 36 cards from a collection of around 370 or so cards, where each deck you purchase is completely unique combination of those 370 cards, different from any other deck produced. And the cards are evenly divided into seven houses that have different personas and promote certain types of play styles and themes. And each deck that you get contains 12 cards from three of those houses. So when you're playing the game, uh, part of your turn involves calling one of those three houses on your turn, and that enables you to play, use, or discard any cards in your hand or in front of you from that house and only that house. The goal of the game is to forge keys, and forging a key requires six ember that can be acquired by playing cards using creature cards to mine amber by performing an action called reaping or even stealing it from your opponent and this play continues back and forth until a player has successfully forged their third key which crowns them the winner all right mamie so i have to say out of the gate that keyforge is not the type of game that we usually play yeah that's for sure i think we maybe tried magic once you brought home a couple decks and we gave it a shot, but it's something I've never really been into. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, when I was a kid, well, probably more like a middle school, late middle school, early high schooler in the late 90s, mid 90s, I remember my cousin had a couple of Magic decks, and this had to have been right around the time Magic came out. And and we played a little bit um, over Christmas break, and, and actually I had fun. I enjoyed it, but just never really got into it. I feel like the decks weren't everywhere like they are now. And then when we tried to jump into it a few years ago, it's like there had been so much magic that (laughs) has been out there that it was almost overwhelming. Like there were so many different rules and cards and mechanisms that didn't exist that I didn't remember from back in the day. And I found it to be very unapproachable to just jump into. Well, I also think it's hard because of the card collecting mechanism, right? The idea that you can't just buy a deck of cards and play with it. Or you could, but you're probably not going to be very strong. And if you're playing against someone who's been collecting for a while and has built a stronger deck than you, you kind of don't have a shot. So that's one of the things I really like about Keyforge is that each each deck is playable the way it comes. There's no collecting and swapping out of cards. Yeah, and in fact, you have to do it that way. So you are only allowed to play with the 36-card deck that you got out of the box. So that card, that deck can never be broken up. It can never be added to or taken away from. And it's completely unique. Uh, So any deck you have, no one else has. And I guess we should talk about briefly how that works. So the creators of Keyforge call this a procedurally generated card game. So, you know, this is quite literally, I think this is a game that really could not have existed too many years ago. Because I think kind of the, the... technology to produce something like this um, has to be be more of a recent uh, more of a recent thing because 
you know, certainly a computer could have said, all right, we have 370 cards and we want uh, some random combination of these cards and we need at least 12 of this kind and 12 of that kind. Um, That could happen. But, you know, even the cards themselves, each deck has its own computer-generated name that's completely unique. They can be pretty funny because they are sometimes obviously computer-generated. Well, they're all computer generated. (laughs) I know. Sometimes uh, it's just more obvious than others. So, like, I'll pull out. I've got my box of decks here. So, we've got Guadalupe, the Curiously Crafty. (laughs) So, that's a deck that I have. Uh, And then we've got, um, oh, this is a good one. Chatty Bilal of the Capital. (laughs) Uh, That one's not bad. Um, Let's see. Let's share one more. Oh, yeah. And then here's one. um, As a researcher, I especially like. This is Charvex placebo key lock mother <laughs> so uh yeah so you know these are not necessarily the most poetic names but i guess interesting nonetheless and also the design and color on the back of the card is completely unique as well so that's kind of cool yeah it's definitely cool so you know when this first was announced i was interested in it just because you know the idea of these 36 card decks that are completely unique that you just pull out of a box and play was was really intriguing to me seemed maybe a little gimmicky but honestly the fact that the deck you got out of this box this eight or nine dollar deck was all you could play with that you could in fact buy one and play it and you would never play against anyone else who did more than that and pulled their own deck out of the box um you know that seemed kind of appealing and kind of interesting yeah i mean i think talking about those decks of cards i mean that really is the heart of this game and and the key component. Actually, to begin with, when we got our first couple of decks, we didn't have the starter set, the core set. Um, It was not available. So we had two decks of cards and then some components that we scavenged from other games to be like hit markers and the amber and... Is it amber or ember? Yes. (laughs) I know it's written with both an A and an E. I have no idea how to say it. Amber. Amber. Okay. Amber. Amber. So, Amber. Yes. So, Josh got on Amazon and found Amazon <laughs> and found you could order a bag of orange jewels. What are these? What were they called? <laughs> I don't know what the description was. Orange crystal bits. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're in a bag that's labeled Amazon Prime. It's kind of hilarious, but they are great for Amber. Amber. And so, with just our two decks of cards, although. <laughs> we started long, with two decks yeah, of cards. How long did we have only two decks of cards, Mamie? We played one match with two decks of cards, and then you went to the store and came back with... Five more decks of cards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is really fun to be able to swap out the decks. I, I do find that really enjoyable. But yeah, but I think, I think that's an important point. So there is a core starter set that you could buy, although for a long time it was sold out. I think maybe some more copies are beca- are coming available. We did eventually get one that I purchased directly from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, but that comes with two starter decks that are the same for everyone. So unlike all the other decks, they do in the starter set have these two decks that are the same that you can use to learn the game. Uh, but then it, the box also comes with two normal, quote-unquote, normal random decks um, that you can play with, and a punch board with all the the cardboard ember and the and the keys, the little cardboard keys that you have to forge, and, and some other markers and cards. Um, so again, I guess that's kind of nice, but uh, 
we didn't really find it necessary. In fact, I kind of like some of our homemade bits um, a little bit better. Your Amazon ember is better than the cardboard ember. I do like the little cardboard keys, though. The Those cardboard are, keys are nice. Yeah, we didn't have a good key. I actually saw online that somebody had some people had just gone to Lowe's and bought some keys. <laughs> <laughs> some uncut keys. keys. <laughs> I was thinking about uh having one of my students who is really into 3D printing oh, yeah. 3D print us some keys. Yeah, there actually are a lot of people on Etsy and places like that who have designed their own keys. Um but anyway maybe I guess uh so yeah the components know, I mean they're cards and then the cards are awesome. The other components meh yeah, if you've got a big bag of random game bits sitting around. Like, like we, we do. We use the red Pandemic Legacy cubes as hit markers, and the stun markers from Gloomhaven work well <laughs> as stun markers for Keyforge. And then, yeah, just some other, other random random things like that. Although we did, and I did kind of go out, after we decided we liked this game, I, I did purchase the large neoprene playmat. Which uh, I love. I love a playmat. I love... You everything like a good play mat? I do. I like yeah. a good playmat. I like having a place for everything and everything in its place. And the you know the playmat is it's you know got a place for where your draw cards are and your discards and you know if you're archiving cards and then a, a large space for playing. And I just I'm a big fan of that neoprene that they're using to make playmats now. Yeah, I agree. That works pretty well. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the gameplay of Keyforge. I will say another thing that drew me to this game is like a lot of collectible card games like this, it's sort of a dueling style, two-player, two one-versus-one type game, and we play a lot of two-player games. So inherently, um, a game made specifically for two people to play against one another is something that we potentially could get a lot of use out of if we thought it was fun. Yeah, I think the you know the two-player thing is great. I think for me, what I really have found enjoyable about it is kind of all the different decks. I will say the first time we played, I don't know if it was the deck I had or because it was just the first time, but I was kind of not into the game. I I believe I said, why are we playing this? <laughs> but I got another deck that I really enjoyed and have played with quite a bit, and it, it kind of changed the whole feel of the game for me. Yeah, and I think that's an important point, that while the promise of the game is all you need is one deck to play, and technically that's true, but I think you're absolutely right. Depending on how you like to play, certain decks may be quote-unquote better or more enjoyable than others. Um, I will say, I think we have about 10 decks, and of those, I mean, we haven't each played all of them. But I would say we've played most all of them at least once, you or I. Right. And there's only one that I would consider a total dud that I played a couple times now that just has a few cards that don't even really make sense or are that useful in the context of the other cards that are there. Like, for example, and I guess as we're talking about gameplay, this might be relevant. So, so in those cards that you get, so as I mentioned, introducing the game, Every there, so there are seven houses. I mentioned there are these houses of cards, um, and so there are seven houses or factions. And each deck that you open will have three of those seven. And again, those are random. You don't know which three you're going to get when you open the deck. And of those, you're going to have twelve cards of each of those three for a total of thirty-six. But then those cards are going to be subdivided into 
I think, four different types of cards. So there are creatures, obviously, like monsters that can fight or they can do what's called reaping, which just gains an amber for you. Or there are also artifacts, which are sort of like creatures, but they don't fight. They just do something for you, um, some kind of special ability. Then there are action cards that you play and they just do something once. And then there are upgrade cards that you can attach to a creature and it gives them some kind of special ability. So each deck is going to have some combination of some number of creatures. And I remember there was the one deck that out of those 36 cards, I think it only had like 11 creatures, but then there were all these actions and artifacts where you got to do something if you had more creatures than the other person. I'm like, well, this deck has almost no creatures, so this is going to be really useless, and it was. Yeah, I think that's one of the potential flaws of the procedurally generated decks, right, is that they don't have that human oversight of making sure they're balanced in terms of what cards are in there. But, I mean, because the decks are so affordable, if you get a totally dud deck, you just don't play with it. You pick up something else. Yeah, and again, I don't think it's a huge concern. Um, I think that's one thing that I'm pretty impressed with is the fact that, you know, these computer-generated random decks tend to be as balanced as they are. Because I'll say this, we've played with a lot of different decks against each other, and I think we've played 11 or 12 games now, and... Actually, I look at we've played 12 games. You've won six. I've won six. And and most of those, with the exception of the one we played tonight, have been like three to two. Yeah, tonight I played with a deck that I think may be a dud. I don't know. We have to give it another shot because sometimes it's just the way the cards come out, right? There is a luck component to it in terms of what cards you get in your hand at what time. Tonight I felt like I had all the cards that would be good late in the game at the start of the game, which wasn't necessarily useful. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, one thing I like about the game is that, and this is maybe different than Magic and some of these other games, while there are creatures and there is some fighting, fighting and attacking is not the main thing you're trying to do. Um, In fact, you could not fight at all. Um, The creatures can fight, but another important thing they can do is you can use them to to reap, uh, which just generates an amber, and and you need six amber to forge a key. So at the end of the day, what you're really trying to do is gain those six amber to forge a key and forge your three keys. And you're kind of keeping on your opponent and you're as much trying to muck with their ability to uh, produce or hold on to amber and forge keys as much as you're just going out trying to kill all their creatures. And we've definitely played games where very little fighting happened. Yeah. And they were still very cutthroat because we were fighting over who got the amber and who got the keys forged first. Yeah, and a lot of times when you're choosing to fight, uh, it has more to do with trying to control what your opponent is trying to do. So maybe they have a creature that while it's out there, it's going to steal an amber from you every turn. Or like the ones you have tonight, make their keys cost nine instead of six. Oh yeah, there's some fun ones like that. And so you might want to try to kill that creature just to get just because it's messing with your plans. Uh, so the whole thing is very, very tactical and a little bit strategic. And, and I think it's, it's a lot of interesting decisions, really making the most out of how to play the cards that are in your hand. Yeah, that's definitely the, the main crux of the game. So we've talked a little about how there are all these different houses in the game. I don't know yet if there are houses that are stronger than others, maybe it's a mix of the cards that you have, but do you have a house that you is your favorite that you like? You know, that's kind of hard. I do have some houses I like um, because they, these are randomly generated. 
you know, there are the seven houses and we have, I think I said 10 decks or so. There is one of the houses, um, Logos. I think we only have one or two decks that actually have that house. Whereas I think we have eight decks that have the house Dis. So I'm much more familiar with certain houses than others. That being said, I think I like the Dis house um, just because I think it's a good mix of some interesting creatures, but also there seem to be a lot of cards that are about controlling your opponent and either getting rid of their creatures or messing with their amber production. Um, kind of more of a control house than just a big beefy creature house. That being said, I also like the the Brobnar. That's what I was going to say. I think my favorite is Brobnar, and Brobnar is kind of just the big beefy creature house. There's not a lot of, at least, I mean, there's some, but there's not as much like kind of magic, dramatic things that happen. It's more just kind of simple gameplay, big beefy creatures that either get a lot of amber or have a lot of power to fight. Yeah, but you know, that being said, I think we both like the Shadows House. Yeah, I, Shadows is probably my second favorite. And and Shadows tends to be fairly weak creatures, but they're very elusive and sneaky, and they focus a lot on stealing amber from other players and, and just generally being annoying. Yeah, and I think part of what makes this game so fun is that variety of different houses that you might end up with and different ways you might play the cards uh, and different you know, cards that you might end up with in different decks. There's just a lot of variety. It's kind of constantly keeping you on your toes. Yeah, I would say we both don't like the Mars. I hate the Mars. And not just because I don't like space. I think it's mostly because you don't like space. No, it's because they are very complicated and there's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, they they are less engaging somehow. I can't put my finger on it. And that being said, I have a couple decks that I think are pretty strong. Uh, including the one I played with tonight. But there's just something about the Mars alien creatures that are less enjoyable to play for me. And I don't know if that's a theme thing, like if they were wild animals or if they were out of wizards or something, but they had the same general abilities on their cards. Would I like them more? I think maybe. I can't, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, that being said, we have a ton of decks that have Mars. <laughs> it's yeah, usually I keep opening them, them and they have, have the aliens and I'm like, oh, geez, another one. Uh, but that, but they are fairly strong, I will say. You know, I've got some good decks with aliens. So. They, yeah, they can be very powerful. You just have to be able to keep up with them because they gain and lose power based on a lot of different factors. And so it's it can be a little tricky. Yeah, they can get out. If you don't keep them in check, they can very quickly overrun you. That's what happened tonight. Just just like real aliens. Your aliens destroyed <laughs> me. I didn't have a common cold. Yeah, there are some really fun cards. There's, <laughs> the, there's one, the common cold, that damages all creatures a little bit, but all the alien Mars creatures, it kills them because they have no immunity to it. Exactly. It's pretty cute, huh? Good to know. All right. So, so, so what do you like the most about Keyforge? I mean, I think, as I said, I, I'm still a little bit on the fence about it. I like it. I like the variety. I like playing different decks and seeing what happens. I like that, you know, every game is a little bit different. I like that it plays really well as two players, which is something that's important to us. Yeah, those are the things I like. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's it's fun to even though the rules are are fairly straightforward and the same from game to game you know i i enjoy playing all those different decks and trying to learn 
the best way to play with different types of cards. And I like trying to adapt, you know, from turn to turn, depending on what's in my hand and think about what the best move is. So yeah, it's sort of a fun tactical puzzle um, that I, I kind of enjoy, enjoy playing. But um, are there some things you don't like so much about Keyforge? Well, aside from the Mars faction, which I, I don't like, but maybe the Mars faction plays into this a little bit. I feel like there are times when luck and the cards that you draw can make it very unbalanced. And maybe I'm just saying that because we had a really unbalanced game tonight. But I feel like there have been a couple games. I think in, in one of the early games, I just ran away with it. I had a deck that allowed me to just basically breathe Ember, and I was able to get the Ember really quickly. So I think that's one thing that I, I wish there was a little bit of a way to ensure a little more balance. I also think there's a chance, even though there is a lot of diversity, that I will get bored with this game fairly quickly. Yeah, I can see that. We've played, again, we've played 10 or 12 times, which on one hand is a lot. I don't know. I don't know if that's a lot or not a lot. I'm sure there are people that have played a lot more than that. But I would say we're at the point now where we're very comfortable and familiar with a lot of the cards. Like even tonight when we we decided to play with two decks we had just opened, we'd never played with before, and we were able to jump right in and play with them and know what they did. Um, But there's a lot of familiar cards we've seen before. So I agree. I could see us getting bored with it because the general mechanisms are kind of the same. And at its core, it's not super complex. Yeah, no. It's really just about reading the cards and trying to make the best decisions. Yeah, that's true. Compared to a lot of games we play, this one is much more straightforward, which is good and bad. I will say a a plus for me is, you know, it's a game that takes 30 to 45 minutes to play. So I think, you know, ideally, and I agree, the luck of the draw thing can be a factor. Um, I've heard some people say one way to potentially play Keyforge with someone else is you play against each other and then you swap decks and you play again. And if somebody wins twice, then they win. Oh, that's interesting. Like that. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that would be yeah, fun. Two out of three. Yeah. So see that. So yeah, so that's one way one way you could do it. You know, I'll say another thing that's interesting to me potentially, and this is not something I've ever done before, but you know, the fact a game like Keyforge, there there are competitive play opportunities. So I noticed in our local game store they hosted a Keyforge uh, tournament the other day, and I imagine that's something as the game continues to grow in popularity will continue. And certainly Magic, even decades later, they're still playing Magic in game stores. Um, it might be fun to go out and play um, some Keyforge tournaments. And again, unlike a Magic tournament where you know, you've got these players who have just paid money to craft this like super powerful deck. You know, some of these Keyforge tournaments, they're such that you bring your favorite deck and you play, but some are these sealed decks where or these sealed tournaments where you just each player shows up, you get a deck and you play. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that could be really fun. So I don't know, maybe maybe we'll try our hand at a at a tournament. Wouldn't yeah, be we should look into do? a Keyforge tournament. Yeah. Is there anything about the game that you really don't like? You know, I don't think there's anything I don't like per se. I, w- I will say, <laughs> and, and part of this is my fault. One of the things that was appealing about Keyforge was the fact that you know I tend to be a collector and completionist. Yeah, that makes me nervous with <laughs> Keyforge. <laughs> and, and so I think my thought was, oh well, this type of game, I'm not gonna since a deck is what it is. You know, I'll get a deck or two, and I won't <laughs> feel the need to go get every card. <laughs> but now instead of seeking out cards, I'm like, maybe I need another deck. Maybe I want another deck. 
Maybe I need another deck. So I'm just collecting these I think decks. we're good on decks yeah, for I right think now. We're, I think we're good on decks. Yeah, I could see us maybe getting bored with it at some point. Right now I'm enjoying it, but yeah, I don't know. It's something, I think the fact that it's something very different than what we normally play right now uh, makes it interesting. But, you know, then I also sit down with friends and play uh, Tulip Bubble or Container or Root. And that engages me a lot more if I really am honest with myself. Yeah, it's definitely more enjoyable. Yeah, so speaking of when we would play this, I mean, I think... It is a two-player game, right? So it's not something we're going to play on our game night or with our gamer friends. It is something we might consider introducing to other friends. Yeah, I think it would be fun to introduce it to some of our gaming friends and maybe have like a little tournament. Like I could imagine if we had four or six player people come over, you know, we could each have a deck or two and, you know, play against each other, then swap around and play somebody else. So that could be fun. Oh, that would definitely be fun. We've just recently had a conversation about how the clubhouse in our neighborhood would be a great place for a gaming event. Maybe we should have a big Keyforge tournament. <laughs> maybe we could. I doubt we will, but yeah. maybe we would. What about the kids? What age do you think you could introduce them to this game? I think they I think they could figure it out, but I think there I think there's a little bit of complex thought in deciding what's the best house to choose and the order to play the cards in um, that they maybe couldn't quite grasp yet, but I don't know. They could probably figure it out. I sometimes think we sell them short. Maybe we should give them a try. I think I mostly just don't want them to mess up my cards at this point. Well, that's why you bought card sleeves. I did get some card sleeves. I even got card. <laughs> I've never been a card sleever, and then I bought some card sleeves. And then you bought little card sleeves. I did for a couple of games. Maybe I'm going into card sleeves. I don't know. I'm, de- I'm, they exp- are nice. I'm exploring Card sleeves. I'm, I, I'm I, not sure yet. I did enjoy playing with the card sleeves. Yeah, like they're slick, like they're yeah. in a good way. Like yeah. They're, yeah. All right. Well, we have talked quite a bit about Keyforge. So, Mamie, why don't we just give our final thoughts and ratings? So, as a reminder, we haven't rated a game for a few episodes. No, it's been a while. So, um, as a reminder, our rating scale is based on wine, and it's a one to five scale where one is an empty bottle of wine, sad and disappointing, ready to be thrown out. A two is a two-buck chuck. If you don't have anything else, it will do the trick. Three is a wine in a box. There's some things we like, some things we don't like. In the right context, it can be okay. Four is like this procedurally generated Cabernet. (laughs) Um, I don't actually know if that's really a four. Um, But four would be something that's easy to enjoy regularly. You've poured a glass and you're looking forward to enjoying some more. Five is a big, bold California cab that will only get better with age. How does Keyforge sit for you? So, you know, I have struggle with the numbers. Um, Keyforge for me is somewhere between a two and a three. So it's a 2.5. There are definitely things I like about it, and there are instances where it's fun to play. But I don't think it's quite up there with a lot of the other games we have in terms of enjoyment. I do like that it's a two-player game, so as far as that goes, that might bump it up to the into the three. But yeah, it's a kind of in the middle for me. I mean, maybe we just need to play a few more games. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I think Keyforge for me, I think I'm still in the caught up in the newness and excitement of it. You have NRE with Keyforge? I do. New relationship energy with (laughs) Keyforge. I do. Um, You know, I still, I admit, I get a little bit of a rush out of opening a new Keyforge deck and seeing what cards are in there. That's just the collector in you. No, it is. It is. And this definitely feeds into that for me. So I'm 
it's hard for me to parse out my enjoyment of that part of it versus my enjoyment of actually sitting down and playing a game of this. And so that being said, I mean, you know me, Amy. I like playing most games. You know, we played a game of Monopoly and I had a good time. Playing a game is better than not playing a game for me. And I love playing games with you too. And so I I think we've had some good times playing this game. The idea of maybe doing some competitive play is really intriguing to me. So I could see this one being sort of a contextual thing for me where I might really enjoy being able to play it and playing it in certain instances. But in no way does it replace some of the other games that I enjoy playing more, uh, the more heavy, strategic, uh, lengthy games. All right. So what kind of wine is Keyforge? I think for me, if I'm being honest, and I was tempted to give it a four because I'm having You're fun. You're so generous. Well, you know, I'm really having, I think about Keyforge a lot. I'm having fun <laughs> is in the forefront of my mind. And and you do know, Mamie, we have played Keyforge quite we a bit. We have played quite a bit. Um, and I'm still in that mode where I'm interested to play it more. I would still suggest it if it's just the two of us. But I think if I'm being honest, it's probably a three for me. I think Keyforge is solid, things I like, things I don't like. Not my favorite type of game, but but enjoyable. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun discussing uh, Keyforge, something different for us. Yeah. It's good to try some new things. Exactly. Different is always good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at board and wine email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com or jump into our guild on board game geek you can leave us a review on itunes we'd love to hear from you it'll help new listeners find the show all right mamie until next time cheers, cheers and, and happy, happy gaming, gaming.